you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. Let's pray and then we'll get into today's message. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in and through each and one, every one of us. That your kingdom is being birthed, your kingdom is, is taking shape because of your work, Jesus, that you're doing in our lives. Father, we just thank you for the life in this church, from the transformation grants to the missions trips to the, um, just the changed lives that are taking place right in front of us. We give you all the glory and all the praise. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, we've been on this series called Christmas Every Day. And and we're learning from the wise men, from the Christmas story, the account in Matthew chapter 2. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2. We've been there this whole series. And we've just taken this one little passage and, and started to learn of how do we have Christmas every day, which is this moving us closer to Jesus and finding more ways to worship him. That's Christmas every day, finding more ways to get closer to him and find ways to worship him. And so the first week we talked about what you seek, you'll find, and not hide and seek, but what you seek, you'll find, and realizing that in this world has has so much wanting to get our attention, right? And so we're seeking after so much, but then the world, the things we seek after in this world leaves us empty, depressed and wanting and yet that we're saying what we seek let's seek things of jesus seek things of his kingdom and when we find it because we will when we seek we'll find we'll find in his kingdom there's fullness of joy we will find that there's there's contentment there's peace so this christmas we're really asking you to get closer to jesus Then uh, last week we talked about to know the way is to know the word. And we looked at how the how the wise men began to look at the they knew Micah, the Old Testament prophet, the words of them. That was an indication of how to find Jesus by knowing his word, the Old Testament. And so we were looking at that of saying the wise men were led to Jesus because of his word. And we were saying, if we want to find the direction to get closer to Jesus, that we need to be in his word. And how many people decided to crack open the word this week? Anybody in the word this week? Come on now. This is a good thing. (laughs) So to know the way is to know the word. Well, today we're going to be talking about um, three ways to bring our gifts to Jesus, looking at the, what was read here this morning in our Advent reading, how uh, the wise men brought gifts, treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And understanding that um, the way that we bring our gifts to Jesus actually has a lot to do with our heart has a lot to do with, uh, actually, I probably don't even need to preach this message because Nikki already shared it in the offering talk. (laughs) It's amazing how the Lord works in those ways. But the, the wise men actually taught us how to give our gifts to Jesus. So it is an act of worship. Have you ever thought of that, that your giving is an act of worship? Or are you doing it just because, hey, there's a basket going around? <laughs> I don't want to feel bad. Now, we don't have to feel quite as bad these days because people are giving uh, online. And so a lot of people aren't reaching into their pockets or getting their checkbooks because they've already given online. But, but have you given some thought of how you give your gifts to Jesus? Well, the interesting thing of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, we can easily take this, 
this message and talk about the importance of those three gifts, but we're not going to talk about those to some degree. We know that gold, frankincense, and myrrh were actually gifts that weren't pretty unique to Jesus. They were, they were a customary gift that was given to royalty and other kings. These wise men that were kings themselves identified the king of kings, and they presented these gifts to baby Jesus when they found him. And, and so this gold, frankincense, and myrrh, gold and frankincense was very common. Gold, a precious metal, frankincense, a perfume or an incense, and myrrh was an anointing oil. We could say that maybe this was kind of foreshadowing of some nature of Jesus, which the gold representing Jesus' kingship, he's the king of kings, and maybe the frankincense symbolizes his, his priestly role because Jesus was a king and a priest. And maybe the myrrh was kind of this foreshadowing of his death, of his embalming. But we could go there, but I'm not going to go there. Where I'm going to go is understanding the way they brought these gifts is the way that it was for worship. And today we're going to look at that for us. And hopefully this year we're going to unpack this a little bit. As we get closer to Jesus, we're going to realize that our giving um, allows us to get closer to him. Now, if you're new to church and if you're kind of checking Jesus out and you're just like, oh man, is this going to be a money message? Is the church going to be wanting my money? And uh, can I just, can I tell you, has nothing to do with it. We realize that we as a church, yes, we have resources that allow a collection of a building, fund a building, and these types of things, but that's really not what our giving is about. Our giving really is about worship. You see, Jesus doesn't need our money. He wants our worship. He wants our hearts. You see, he wants something for you, not something from you. Can you just say, he wants something for me? He wants something for me. And he doesn't want something from you. There's a really big distinction there because sometimes we feel like, oh, here we go. I, I got to give something to Jesus and it's he wants something from me. Like he's extracting these resources from me. But when you realize why he wants us to give, it's actually for us. It's for our good. And it's for our blessing and it's for our abundance. You see, in Matthew 6, 21, it says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I want you to just think about where you spend your money. Just go real quick. If you've done budgets, how many people like to do budgets around here? Any budgeters? Or how about you just kind of like, you, you, I just don't want to know. Hopefully there's something at the end of the month, right? <laughs> What's in my check account? Um, I really want to encourage you, by the way, if you want to uh, live out in a little bit more intentional way and not feel like you're just scrambling to get through your resources. Um, by the way, he's not leaving because I'm talking about money, Brian Johnson. <laughs> he actually has to go to work, so I just want to let you know. People are like, oh, he's just leaving now because he's talking about money. <laughs> Not so. He, he runs a great farm stand, and he's just going to go open up that farm stand. There we go. <laughs> so in Matthew chapter 2, 
we're going to start reading a little bit about. So in 2, verse 6, we, here's the um, Matthew's account of what took place. Here's the, the Micah verse that they used to find Jesus, that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Then it goes in, in, in verse 7, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. So remember, this is a seek and find. They, they sought after these signs in the sky to find Jesus. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them there until it came to rest over the place that the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, like we did this morning in worship. We rejoiced exceedingly with great joy as we came into his presence to worship him this morning. Great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. It's all about worship. It's all about posturing ourselves to let him be the king, the Lord of our lives. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why the treasures? Did Jesus need a bunch of gold? Baby Jesus need a bunch of gold. Does he need frankincense? Does he need myrrh? No, little baby Jesus didn't need a lot of those things. Mind you, his parents probably didn't have to work afterwards. <laughs> but Jesus himself didn't need it. And I think that's the way we have to look at it today. Jesus doesn't, he owns it all already. Amen. Right? He owns it all already. You think it belongs to you, but that's just a trick that you've played in your mind. <laughs> I worked for this. This is mine. Well, you have the free will to do with what you want. That's the beauty of Jesus. He always gives us the free will. But the reality is it all belongs to him anyways. But when you understand that where your treasure is, your heart will be also, and we realize that when we get closer to Jesus, we have greater joy, we have greater peace, we have greater satisfaction in life, that our objective in life is actually to get closer to him and our giving allows that to take place. Because the Bible says, where our treasure is, our heart is also. So my question again is, where are you spending all of your money? Or God's money? Where are you spending all of God's money? <laughs> Because I'll guarantee you where you spend the most of it is where your heart will mostly be. But if you want to find more joy, if you want to find more abundance, if you want to find more peace, I suggest and I offer to you the scripture is very clear that he wants us to give to him. But we give to him in such a way that it's an act of worship, not an obligation. See, the interesting thing about God's kingdom is it always seems like opposite. He says, hey, love your enemies. Don't wish revenge on them. So you overcome hate by genuinely loving them. The kingdom of God is this way. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for their freedom. For those who make you, your life miserable, wish a glorious life for them. Can you do that this Christmas? 
Do good for those who hate you, the Bible says. Oof. Help us, Jesus. I heard it. <laughs> That's right. That's not an easy one. Don't just give that fake smile because you know it's what you have to do, but actually do something good for the person who wishes evil on you. Now I'm preaching. <laughs> oh. You want to be first? Learn to be last. Think of others before yourself and others will start putting you into places that you've been putting others. Oh, let me say that again. Think of others before yourself and others will start putting you in the places that you've been putting others. Just wanted to chew on it for a little while. You want to be rich? Learn to become poor. In other words, you want to be important? Learn how to be humble and unimportant. Come on, son. <laughs> Seems so contradictory, but it's true. This is the way the kingdom works. So you want to live in abundance. You don't keep more, you give more. You want to live in abundance. You don't keep more, you give more. The wise men gave their gifts to Jesus in a way to worship him. So let's go over those ways. What can we learn from these wise men in the ways that they gave their gifts? First, it was already spoken about earlier. The gift was predetermined. In other words, they had already pre-planned what it is that they're going to do for Jesus, right? They didn't go on their trip and all of a sudden show up to Jesus and say, oh, what do we have in our pockets to worship Jesus? Throw a few coins down. Here you go, Jesus, here's my worship for you. No, they, they planned it. They planned their giving. They planned their gift. On their long journey, these wise men from the east had a big long journey, and they had planned gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And by the way, it's probably not what we see in little nativity things of one little box of gold and one little things of frankincense and myrrh. It was probably caravans of the goods. That had to be planned. That had to be predetermined. How about this one? So number one, predetermined. Number two, the gift had significant value. And significant value is all relative, right? That's why I love what Jesus has about tithing. That's an Old Testament principle, by the way. Tithing is one-tenth. The Old Testament principle was that, that people were to give one-tenth of their increase... Today, it's, we say our increase is what we, our, our income, one-tenth. And, and that's valuable, right? That's significant. A tenth of what we make is significant. But, but they could have showed up and said, here's, here's some sandwich money, Jesus, and here's some coffee money, Jesus. But they knew for it to be worship, it had to be something of value. Number three. The gift was freely given without any strings attached. I like this one because sometimes we struggle with that because we, we, want, we want to determine how our giving is used. It's 
especially in a culture today where we get to pick and choose of all these great organizations doing great things and, and we can kind of designate what our giving is. But do you think that the, the, the wise men came and says, oh Jesus, we love camels. We think you should buy camels with this because camels are the best. They store all this water and this big hump. You can travel, Jesus, for your missionary journey. You need camels. So I'm designating this gift to say only for camels, Jesus. <laughs> no, they just freely gave it because there's like, that's what worship is. You're not, you're not worshiping expecting all this in return. Now we get a great return. When we worship him this way, when we give this way, there's a great return. But we do, don't do it for a return. We do it to make it an act of worship. See, the woman who dumped all this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet, the disciples had a problem with that. We, we can learn from this account, this historical account. She took this perfume in this alabaster box and put it on Jesus' feet, and it was probably worth, talking about a valuable gift, a uh, year's wages. Yes. And the disciples like, hey, stop it, woman. You should have just, we could have sold this, used the money, and given it to the poor. And Jesus says, you don't understand what she's doing with this. This was an act of worship. And actually, he's preparing him for his, his death and burial that was going to take place. See, it's not just transactional. The disciples were still thinking transactional, like our job is just to have money so we can give to the poor. Now, that's important. That's very important. I do believe that is the, the mission of the church. Part of the missions is to care for the poor. But if we just look at it transactionally, not looking at it as an act of worship, we miss the intention of giving. So the question, well, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this. You'll see it on your screen. Each of you should give what have you have decided in your hearts to give. See, this is predetermined. Yes. That, that you've come planned and prepared to give. What well, you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. In other words, when we give out of just great worship, to him, it gives such great joy for us because we lay it down at Jesus' feet. Jesus, we love you. Here, here it is. Okay, I already understand that some of you are like trying to process this giving. Okay, giving to Jesus. Jesus is not here. Where's his feet that you're talking about laying it down at? <laughs> I don't see Jesus' feet. He's here. Thank you. Jesus is in the house. Jesus is in the house. His Holy Spirit is here. So where do I give and how much should I give? Okay, remember the Old Testament law is to give 10% of your, of your increase in your income. So if we were to take that principle, let me just kind of go through some scenarios for you. If you're on a fixed income earning $12,000 a year, that's, uh, sorry, yeah, 12000 that's $1,200 a year you'd give to the Lord, $100 a month. Or if you're on disability, you make only $600 a month, then you give $60 to the Lord. Or if you're retirement and you're on retirement income you're, and it's only $30,000 a year, then you give, you know, $250 a month. Okay, going to the tithe principle, right? This is the tithe, the 10th. So the question is, is that just Old Testament or does Jesus actually have something to say about that in New Testament? I hear that a lot and, and guess what? Jesus talks about it. 
in Luke chapter 11, verse 42. He's mad at the Pharisees, again, because he's making, they're making giving not about worship, which is always is about worship. He says, woe to you Pharisees, these religious people. This is Jesus alive at the time. He says, woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe and mint and rue and every herb. And you neglect justice and the love of God. These you, should have ought, you, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So in other words, saying, I still want you to tithe, but don't neglect why you tithe. It's to worship God and to see that justice is done. The kingdom of God gets expanded. Amen. So it's just not about duty. It's not about obligation at all. And, and the, the Pharisees were making it about an obligation. See, the Old Testament always was like, some people would say, well, well the Old Testament is abolished now. Did, did Jesus say that, that we abolished the Old Testament for the New Covenant? He came to fulfill the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. What does that mean? He came to fill it up. In other words, what the standard was for Old Testament, he filled it up to say you can do more. Amen. You can do more. So the reality is the new, new Covenant, the New Testament, is really about generosity and this overflowing generosity above and beyond what the law required of 10%. The bottom line is this. Giving is for our freedom and it's to be an act of worship to Jesus. You see, where your heart is, or where your treasure is, your heart is there also. And he always wants us to keep us free from the entanglements of life, the bondages of life. If the worship team wants to come. So where do we give? Well, I believe Christians don't only have to give to their local church. But I do believe that Christians should give first their tithe to their local church. Amen. I think it's biblical. I think it's what the Lord has instructed us. But I want to encourage you to say that there are great other kingdom building organizations out there that you can be generous with. But I believe that the local church is God's plan A, the vehicle for which we care for the poor, feed the hungry, equip people to minister in the community, and send people out to the nations. Amen, sir. And when we give to the local church, we give to the mission of God. How many people want to give to the mission of God? Now, you might, again, if you're new here, and I just want to make sure you filter this properly, this is not about a message about saying, hey, how can the church get more of my money? <laughs> this is really about how can I have more freedom in my life and make this an act of worship to Jesus. And when we can come there, then we get to this place. It's like, I can hardly wait. I better plan this week, all right? Plan, plan out my giving. I predetermined what it is. Uh, it's, it's, it's equal to my income in the sense of something of significance. It's valuable. And then I'm just going to give it. 
not telling what to do. I'm just going to give it and say, Jesus, this is my act of worship to you. And I come with a heart of expectation. I have to say, as much as I love our digital giving, uh, my tithe just comes right out digitally. I kind of miss being a little bit more intentional with it. I'm not saying don't do digital, but I'm saying, I'm just telling you my own personal wrestle in that. I'm, I'm not as diligent at preparing it. I've pre-scheduled it, but to have my heart more active, like I want to worship you, Jesus, in this. Like Christmas every day becomes that, that we, want, we get to worship Jesus in our giving. So remember that we said in this whole series that next Sunday you're going to be getting one of these gold boxes. It is a jewelry box. Ladies, I'm sorry, there's not jewelry in it. But there are two cards in it. And it says, Christmas every day, my act of worship. And I want to encourage you that every message that we've done in this series is going to help you draw closer to Jesus. Remember, our giving is to get us closer to Jesus, where we're going to have more freedom, more joy, more hope, more love, more peace. And we're going to start writing some things down for 2020. What we're going to say is our Christmas every day, how we're going to get closer to Jesus, what's going to be our acts of worship to him this year. So you're going to write those down on next Sunday, and you're going to take one and you're going to leave it here with us. Don't put your name on it. That's not the important thing. I, I, what I, we want to know is what is going to be your act of worship for 2020. And you're going to write that down based on something from the wise men's journey and the wise men's story. One, you're going to take home with you in this nice little gold box. You're going to put it someplace where you can keep reminding yourself, maybe on your dresser, on your fridge, your desk, uh, at, at your office or something. And this one you're going to keep here. And then we're going to post these so everybody can see how God is stirring something inside of you and what he's speaking to you about. And then we as a church get to pray for each other as we go into 2020, as we become a more worshipful church of Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. To sum up this message, to make our giving an act of worship, give in a predetermined way, plan your giving. Make sure the gift has significant value, worthy of a king. And the gift is given freely without strings attached. Giving this way is an act of worship. Jesus does not need your money. He wants our worship. And most of all, he wants your heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are just so encouraged by how you're encouraging us in this season of this church. Father, I pray for all the ears that listened to this message today, that they felt like there was life to it, not obligation, no pressure, but an opportunity. That in 2020, that God, that maybe we would live in more abundance. Maybe we'd live in more freedom and more peace and more joy because we've taken these steps of greater worship of you, Lord. 
God, I also know as those resources come, there is an obligation in a sense to see that the kingdom of God gets built and multiplied. So, Father, I pray for the leaders who steward these resources, that it would be used to further your kingdom. That it be used to multiply your kingdom work in this community and around the world. Jesus, I pray you'd continue to stir in our hearts a changed life, a life that wants to get closer to you, Jesus. Lord, I'm mindful today that there might be some here who have not yet given their life to you, Jesus, and, and for them, that leaves them feeling like, what do I do with this? And I would just like to, like I did when I was in my early 20s, made that decision to say, you know what, Jesus, I want to follow you. And I said a simple prayer to a friend of my brothers who led me in this prayer of just saying, Jesus, I acknowledge you in my life. I'm sorry for my living my own way. I, I want to live for you, Jesus. Please forgive me for my mistakes. Thank you for going to the cross for my sin. I want to give my life to you, Jesus. And at that moment, my life forever changed. <laughs> my life forever changed. And if you want that changed life, the Bible says that you become a new creation. That moment you invite Jesus into your life, and if you're here today and you want to invite Jesus into your life, all I would ask you to do is just either look at me or slip up your hand or something just so I know that you've made this decision today, that I'll pray with you right now. Anybody here want to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior today? Last week, we had five people give their lives to the Lord for the very first time. This week, anybody here today? So, Father, we just thank you for those who are here. For those of us who are in the process of wanting to allow our lives to be more worshipful, help us today. If there are those who are unsure about what that means to give their life to you, Lord Jesus, I pray that they would come find some of our prayer team afterwards and, and ask those questions. Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. If the prayer team wants to come up as we close in this song, I just want to let you know that uh, I'm grateful that you're here today. Um, I'm grateful for our team from the Bahamas. I'm so thankful for what Jesus is doing in each of your lives and that you keep saying yes to him. So let's close off the service by worshiping him. And if you need prayer today, the prayer team will be here to pray with you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.